Memphis Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Hostage crisis for Israel. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka on this Tuesday, October 10th. Thanks for joining us. Here's what we have for you this hour. As Israel regains control over the Gaza border, Hamas is threatening executions of hostages each time Israel bombs a Palestinian home without warning. Even as fellow Republicans angle to replace him, former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy now says he might be open to the gavel again. President Biden has been interviewed by the special counsel investigating his handling of classified documents at his home in a private office. And how to identify a toxic workplace during a job interview. Toxic workplace where maybe toxic jobs, it doesn't really mean, you know, it is a bad job. It is a bad opportunity. It just means that it does not align to your expectation and what works for you, what makes you thrive in the workplace. Zoe Hahn at MarketWatch on questions to ask in a job interview that'll raise red flags about a toxic environment. Israel earlier today claimed that it took back control over the Gaza border and was planting mines where Hamas militants had toppled the barrier during their bloody weekend assaults. Meanwhile, it was another night of relentless Israeli air raids in downtown Gaza City, home to Hamas's centers of government, after Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu vowed retaliation against the Islamic militant group that he predicted would, quote, reverberate for generations. Israel is at war. We didn't want this war. It was forced upon us in the most brutal and savage way. But though Israel didn't start this war, Israel will finish it. Israel's latest round of airstrikes came after Hamas threatened to execute an Israeli captive every time Israel bombed a Palestinian home without warning. The Israeli military also called up an unprecedented 300,000 reservists and imposed a blockade on the Gaza Strip, raising fears it planned a ground assault in response to the deadly Hamas attack. President Biden says at least 11 American citizens were among those killed in Israel following the weekend attacks by Palestinian Islamist group Hamas. Washington believes it is likely U.S. citizens are also among those being held hostage by Hamas. National Security Spokesman John Kirby. And we don't really know whether they're just missing somewhere or are lost or whether they're being held hostage. I think we have to accept the possibility uh, that at least some of them uh, are being held hostage. In New York City, a police spokesman said extra police officers were present Sunday outside the United Nations headquarters, where a skirmish between supporters of Israel and the Palestinians erupted. NBC News says Los Angeles police are preparing for a large pro-Palestinian rallies and potential counter-protests in the coming days. The FBI says it's not aware of threats to the U.S. homeland related to the unfolding crisis in the Middle East, but that it was coordinating closely with counterparts in the region. President Biden's efforts to bring stability to the Middle East and fund the war in Ukraine have suffered setbacks that have undermined top foreign policy goals for his first term. And that's adding to difficulties the U.S. faces with a third priority, China. More from William Malden, foreign policy reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Will, what's the White House up against? Well, uh, they had two major setbacks in the last week or so. One is the uh, Republican issues in the House pretty much stopping the Ukraine funding in its tracks for now. And the other is, of course, in the Middle East, they had this very quiet but potentially very big effort to broker a normalization deal between Saudi Arabia and Israel. And with the Hamas attacks from Gaza and the potential for you know a lot of problems in the Middle East right now, that is looking uh, pretty unlikely in the short to medium term. 
Boy. Okay, so break down uh, Hamas in Israel and how the Biden administration might address that. That's right. Well, uh, you know, it really depends on what happens on the ground, what Israel needs to do to go into Gaza, etc. I mean, the U.S. is moving um, an aircraft carrier closer to the region. Uh, there's going to be support from Congress, uh, which it'll help, of course, if uh, uh, the House picks a new speaker. And then um, that, that will be the first priority is helping Israel. And then, you know, administration officials are going to have to see if there's anything they can do in normalizing with Saudi Arabia. But of course, Saudi Arabia is going to be concerned about even more concerned about the plight of the Palestinians, which is, you know, many people are going to be asking questions about as well. Okay, so what now then with this potential normalization agreement between Saudi Arabia and Israel? Well, you know, I heard uh, Ron Dermer, who's uh, a minister in uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's cabinet, say that if, if Israel's strong, they can achieve peace with, with Saudi Arabia or other countries. So there, some people think that it's not totally... Uh, it's not totally in the toilet yet, but but it's a very complicated deal. The Biden administration has already been reaching out to U.S. senators. Some were set to go to Saudi Arabia. It would require congressional approval, and this kind of thing makes it really complicated, not to mention the pending election season in the U.S. Right. Have we had any condemnation at this point from the Arab world of the Hamas attacks? You know, we haven't heard uh, that, that much. Uh, Saudi Arabia, of course, was calling attention to you know, the plight of the Palestinians. Uh, there was a UN Security Council meeting yesterday and the US official uh, Ambassador Robert Wood came out of that saying not everyone had condemned the attacks. So presumably he was referring to, uh, you know, some of the Arab or Palestinian members of the council, if not Russia itself. So, uh, you know, we haven't had universal condemnation at this Boy. point. And then what about, uh, what about Washington and Tehran at this point? Right. Well, you know, don't forget, this administration came in uh, hoping to achieve uh, a return to the nuclear deal, the 2015 nuclear deal. And that was sort of where they were putting a lot of the emphasis earlier. That didn't work out. It didn't happen, you know, with indirect negotiations with Iran never bore fruit. But still, there's been a hope that they could kind of contain Iran, contain its nuclear ambitions, lower tensions without, you know, without uh, having some kind of uh, direct confrontation. Now, this raises the risk, and this puts the administration policymakers in a somewhat uncomfortable position because uh, we don't know to what extent Iran is responsible for this attack, but it certainly does support Hamas, and there certainly are questions going to be asked. What does this mean? What needs to happen uh, with Tehran? Mm. We're speaking with Will Malden, foreign policy reporter at The Wall Street Journal. His piece is called After Hamas Attacks Israel, Biden's top foreign policy goals hit turbulence. D does this now war between Israel and Hamas affect the way Congress might think about funding for Ukraine? Are they at all connected? Well, I don't know if they're directly connected, but of course, uh, you know, U.S. policymakers, Congress, the administration, the top people only have so much attention to focus on uh, as, as many conflicts. And this administration, of course, has wanted to focus on China. So I'm not sure completely about this, but you do have Republicans who are, are uh, hesitant to uh, give money to Ukraine. It's a certain group of Republicans. Some of them are backed by Republican presidential candidates. So this could increase calls to support things that the party believes in more universally, like supporting Israel rather than 
than coming up with that delayed funding for Ukraine. Thanks, Will. Will Malden, foreign policy reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Bring smiles to all when shopping online with Dell Technologies Gift Guide. Whether it's for the artist, the entrepreneur, the student, or the streamer, you'll find the perfect gift. Dell.com slash gift guide makes gifting easy with a carefully curated selection. Shop now to explore our innovative PCs like the XPS 13 laptop, powered by the latest Intel Core processors, plus accessories. Visit Dell.com slash gift guide today. That's dell.com slash gift guide. Thanks for spending time with us. Don't forget, we can connect on social media. You can friend us on Facebook or X at This Morning Show. You can follow me directly too at Gordon Deal. The White House says President Biden has been interviewed as part of an independent investigation into his handling of classified documents. It's a possible sign that the probe is nearing its end. We get more from this morning's Dave Duncan. Special counsel Robert Hur is examining the improper retention of classified documents by Mr. Biden from his time as a U.S. senator and as a vice president that were found at his Delaware home, as well as at a private office. Biden has said he was unaware he had the documents. It's not clear when Mr. Hur's team approached Biden's lawyers about an interview, asked in late August if he planned to sit for an interview with the special counsel. The president replied, there's no such request and no such interest. Gordon. Thank you, Dave. A spokesman for the White House Counsel's Office said that the interview was voluntary and conducted at the White House on Sunday and Monday. A draft report is due months before the 2024 election to avoid appearing as if it's designed to influence the presidential race. 20 minutes after the hour on this morning, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Israel increased airstrikes on the Gaza Strip and sealed it off from food, fuel and other supplies in retaliation for a bloody incursion by Hamas militants. While Hamas pledged to kill captured Israelis if attacks targeted civilians without warnings. In the war's fourth day, Israel's military said about 1,500 bodies of Hamas militants were found in Israeli territory as it restored full control over the border. Israel Defense Forces spokesman Ben Walhouse on Fox. We're in this for the long haul. Uh, We're 48 hours in. We're still fighting in the south of Israel. Uh, We're trying to decimate Hamas's military capabilities in Gaza. The violence, which has claimed more than 1,500 lives, prompted international declarations of support for Israel, street protests in support of Palestinians, and appeals for an end to the fighting and protection for civilians. Number two. The Pentagon says it's coordinating with U.S. defense titans to expedite the shipping of pending Israeli weapons orders as violence in the region escalates. Following a horrific weekend terror attack carried out by Hamas, the Pentagon declined to share specific details of the types of security assistance the U.S. is providing to Israel. Number three. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has ended his long-shot Democratic presidential bid. I'm here to declare myself an independent candidate. Kennedy's decision to run as an independent could make him a spoiler in the likely general election face-off between President Biden and former President Trump, but... It's unclear who he could pull support from. According to a recent Wall Street Journal poll, he is favored by more Republicans and Democrats. Separately, former Congressman Will Hurd of Texas suspended his presidential campaign, becoming the second notable GOP candidate to end his run for the Republican nomination. Hurd threw his support behind Nikki Haley. Dalton State College in Georgia gets top marks for the quality of the campus experience it offers, according to new rankings from the Wall Street Journal. Dalton State, located in northwest Georgia, just south of the Tennessee border, is one of several southern public universities that placed in the top 10 in this category, receiving high scores from students for the quality of its campus and community life. 
Dalton State is followed by California Baptist University, the University of Houston downtown, Savannah State and Alcorn State, the Florida Institute of Technology, Texas Women's University, Oral Roberts, Pomona College, and Florida International round out the top ten. Well, I never heard of Dalton State's. Yeah, I didn't know the University of Houston downtown. Yeah, I didn't know there was a breakout either. Very good. Thank you, Jen. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermal regulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. Glad you're with us. Well-being means different things to different people when it comes to careers, but job candidates who want to find a company that nurtures employee well-being can learn a lot and potentially avoid a toxic workplace if they interview hiring managers about the company culture during the hiring process. MarketWatch talked to career coaches for advice on how to do it. Here's reporter Zoe Hahn. Zoe, help us out. I guess a lot of people, they are really finding their job not as engaging or it was kind of disappointing to their expectation and um, they're not really thriving in their workplace. Mm. All right. So part of that you can address on your own as a job candidate by asking these handful of questions that you point out in your piece, um, including one, the first one, which is, can you tell me about the most successful person you ever hired? Uh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, so that really says a lot about, you know, what your potential manager truly values. Um, and sometimes it can really help you to see through the talking points um, during interviews, because a lot of times everybody knows um, we want to hear about work-life balance. We want to hear about like supportive environment, but then different manager values different things. So um, eventually... Um, you can see from their answer to tell you uh, what it requires for you to be successful on that role. Um, and those are, you can really gain a lot from the answer to see what might be your experience on the job. Yeah. And if the answer, as you say in your story, is, are oh, the best person we ever hired was a person who, you know, answers emails at Saturday morning at 4 a.m. <laughs> and is still responding Sunday night, you got a pretty good feel of what the culture is like. Yeah. It's um, it's good to be responsive, but um, it also feels like this job is really expecting people to be super responsive, regardless of their work boundary. We're speaking with Zoe Hahn, personal finance reporter at MarketWatch. Her story is called Ask These Five Questions in Your Job Interview If You're Trying to Avoid a Toxic Workplace. What else, Zoe, should we keep in mind here? What else might we ask? Yeah, I think I want to just, you know, really emphasize on one thing is that um, toxic workplace or maybe toxic jobs, it doesn't really mean, you know, it is a bad job. It is a bad opportunity. It just means that it does not align 
to your expectation and what works for you, what makes you thrive in the workplace. So it's really crucial to ask some questions to your hiring manager, who is the person who's most responsible for your experience um, at a workplace to figure out what might be the potential expectation on the job and how you will be managed and what is the potential uh, lifestyle or rhythm of work on the road. Mm. Um, I would say the next one is really important is that asking about career growth opportunities. Um, For example, you can ask your hiring manager, what are people who've been in this role in the past doing now? Um, At the same time, you don't really want to sound like you want to quickly go on to other roles, but you want to make sure you do have a lot of um, career growth opportunities within the company so that you can grow, which is a very important factor to decide whether you will be thriving at a workplace. Like Zoe. Zoe Hahn, reporter at MarketWatch. One thing we all have in common is a need to feed. If you're like me, you love to eat and want to eat right without much pre-planning and shopping. Enter HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Kickstart a fresh fall with HelloFresh handling all the meal planning and shopping. They do the work, you take a bow. Plus, HelloFresh is more than just dinners. There's breakfast, quick lunches, fresh snacks, tasty, time-saving, and delivered to your front door. HelloFresh's convenience, variety, and quality keep me eating right all day and night. Right now, save from the start. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon and use code 50Gordon for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh's menu offers 40 recipes and over 100 add-ons. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon and use code 50Gordon for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Say goodbye to boring meal plans and HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon. The news without the nonsense. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Tuesday, October 10. Gordon Deal with Jennifer Koshenka. Some of our top stories and headlines. Israel says it has secured the Gaza border, but Hamas is threatening hostage executions when there's a home bombing. President Biden interviewed as part of the classified documents probe. Kevin McCarthy hints he's open to returning as House Speaker. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. says he's breaking with the Democratic Party and will now run for president as an independent. Raiders over the Packers in Monday Night Football and the 60-year-old Ohio runner closing in on his 1,000th race. That story in about 20 minutes. Well, the U.S. home insurance market is careening toward disaster as policy premiums soar and private insurers exit high-risk states, threatening to affect millions of homeowners nationwide. Here's Brianne Depish, energy and environment reporter at the Washington Examiner. Brianne, explain the current landscape. Yeah, so uh, the U.S. home insurance market is sort of careening towards catastrophe. Uh, this has been described as sort of a slow motion train wreck as uh, an uptick in natural disasters caused by climate change has really pushed up insurance premiums higher in a lot of the country and really caused private insurers to exit states, especially really high risk states like California and Florida. Boy, all right. So, I mean, we've had natural disasters before. What's uh, what's the issue now? Uh, the issue is climate change. You know, this has been described to me as something that's both increased the frequency and the cost of these natural disasters. Uh, 
you know, in Florida, we've seen an exodus of at least six major insurance providers in the state. That's actually uh, pushed many homeowners into the arms of the sort of insurance provider of last resort in Florida. That's called Citizens. Uh, it is a sort of state-run provider that's high risk, limited coverage, and uh, pretty pricey as well. Uh, you know, putting them in putting them in a potentially vulnerable position in the event of a natural disaster. Boy, is there just not a premium high enough that can be charged for these companies to stay in the state? Well, you know, it's, it's unclear. Uh, you'd think so, because in Florida, home insurance premiums um, on average are uh, four times as high as the rest of the U.S. Uh, California has really seen, um, you know, some similar some similar upticks as well as the exodus of private insurers. Um, this is pretty this is pretty dangerous. Um, you know, in Florida, they've seen uh, actually citizens policyholders balloon from just 500,000 homeowners in 2016 to 1.3 million today. That's a 168% increase. So, you know, clearly private insurers are just um, either unwilling to do business there or, you know, they just see these natural disasters like hurricanes and flooding as as too much of a risk. Yeah. Are there accusations of greed at all? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, there are certainly accusations of greed in Florida, which has limited, unlike California, has really limited consumer protections. Um, and you know what? This is something that is also serving as sort of a microcosm for the rest of the U.S. Uh, I think we've seen uh, we've seen testimony from from uh, major insurance experts recently that this isn't something that's just happening in these high risk states between uh the last, the last year, average U.S. premiums have increased by um, an average of 21 wow. percent, you know. <laughs> yeah. So um, and these are just this is because uh, purely because these natural disasters are increasing in parts of the U.S. that really don't see them that often. You know, that's like areas like the Midwest, Appalachia, um, which have also also seen um, sort of premiums increase in areas that aren't usually affected by by hurricanes or wildfires and things like that. Mm. We're speaking with Brianne Depish, energy and climate reporter at the Washington Examiner. Her story is called Why Home Insurance Markets Are in Crisis Around the Country. What about non-renewals in California? Those numbers are staggering also. Yeah, so in California, non-renewal for home insurers has increased by a whopping 30%. Um, you know, that's because of State Farm, other other really major, their, their biggest providers uh, saying, you know, they're just no longer willing to do business in the state. Like I said, they have pretty strong consumer protections. Um, so they have a challenging reinsurance market as well as uh, sort of a regulatory issue that requires them to take into account the last 20 years of data to estimate losses, uh, which really puts insurers at risk, you know, as they as they try to obtain the proper the proper reinsurance to protect themselves in the event of a wildfire, or, you know, major natural disaster. You made a reference toward the end of your story about uh, artificially suppressed home prices. Explain that. A First Street Foundation estimates that 39 million U.S. homes are insured at sort of artificially suppressed prices. That's because of uh, the actual risks they face that they're increasing, you know, um, including at least six million homes that they say are uncovered by last resort insurance policies. So you can imagine, you know, in Florida, if there is a major hurricane that comes through, wipes out a bunch of homes. And, you know, we see a lot of these citizens insured, um, insured homeowners try to obtain the right amount of coverage, try to, you know, uh, get get money for the property damage that that's they've incurred. Um, you know, these insurance providers are unlikely to be able to really pay back 
pay the, these people back for their damages. Thanks, Brianne. Brianne Depish, energy and environment reporter at The Washington Examiner. Thanks for being with us. Welcome into Tuesday. Millions of households use security cameras on their doorsteps and in their homes to prevent burglaries, monitor packages, and keep an eye on the babysitter. But as further proof that home surveillance is a big business, people are also using them to catch their pets in the act of mischief. Here's Julie Jargon, who writes the family and tech column at the Wall Street Journal. Julie, how big is the industry? Yeah, it's, you know, a lot of people have cameras both inside their homes, outside their homes, for a variety of reasons, whether it's to make sure you get your packages from Amazon every day and that they don't get stolen, or just to, you know, for home security purposes, or, you know, nanny cams on the inside. Um, and, and the home security camera market is expected to reach more than $30 billion um, by 2030. Um, so, you know, it's pretty big business. A lot of people have these things. And one of the ways that people are finding they can use them is to keep an eye on their pets when they're not home. Boy, you found some very funny examples with great accompanying video of this. Um, do, do dogs listen, I guess, if you're scolding them from a camera when they can't see you but can only hear you? Well, they it does catch their attention. They, they, don't, they know the sound of their... Um, owner's voice, and they do pay attention generally in the moment. Um, but but usually talking to them and telling them to stop chewing those shoes or diving in the garbage uh, doesn't doesn't stop the behavior altogether. They they continue to do it when they're you know the next day and the next day. So you know it kind of temporarily distracts them, but it doesn't curb the behavior altogether. Are those the uh, top offenses for dogs when caught on a ring camera, say inside the home? Yeah, going into the garbage is is the big one for dogs and for cats. Perhaps not surprisingly, it's scratching the furniture. Yeah. So uh, the one video that struck me as so funny was uh, this one from Carly Butters. I I think she works in HR out in Queen Creek, Arizona. She's trying to scold the dog, and then here comes the cat, who basically like blocks the view, almost like they were. <laughs> I think she called it a mutiny or something, right? Yeah, the the, the pets were ganging up and uh, working together. So, <laughs> I mean, the cat it was so cute because the cat's in front of the camera, nudging it and licking it, and eventually kind of moved it a little bit. So, um, you know, the the dog could, could keep chewing on his picture frame, and uh, it was out of view. <laughs> We're speaking with Julie Jargon. She writes the family and tech column at the Wall Street Journal. This piece is called You Can Tell Rover He's a Bad Dog from 3,000 Miles Away. But she's taking a look at the home surveillance market, which is exploding. Um, this uh, this Mackenzie Looney, what did she go through? Yeah, so she has two cats. Um, and, of course, the cats don't listen at all when she, you know, she has this one cat that she calls Milo the Menace. Uh, he jumps up and likes to knock plants off the windowsill and watch them break. Um, and she has unsuccessfully spoken to him through her uh, home camera. Um, and she has a pet cube that has a laser pointer built into it. So when she sees him jumping on her older cat, um, she tries to distract him with this laser pointer. And that does work. He, he'll follow that little red dot around and, uh, you know, play with that instead of terrorizing the other cat. That's funny. I... I, I was struck by there was a, a somebody in your story who said this is really not the proper way to go about disciplining, say, your dog or a cat by shouting at them through the speaker. How come? Well, that's because according to this certified pet trainer, uh, if you're if you're yelling at your dog to stop doing something, that that's giving them attention, 
and the dog can't maybe distinguish between bad or, or good in, um, attention. It's just, it's you know, it's all attention. You're talking to your dog through the camera. They like that, um, even though even if they're being told no. Um, it, she says it's reinforcing the, the behavior, which is probably why these pet owners um, find this stuff happening again and again. So, you know, it, it distracts them temporarily, but the next day they're, they're back in that trash can. Nice, Julie. Julie Jargon writes the family and tech column at the Wall Street Journal. Bring smiles to all when shopping online with Dell Technologies Gift Guide. Whether it's for the artist, the entrepreneur, the student, or the streamer, you'll find the perfect gift. Dell.com slash gift guide makes gifting easy with a carefully curated selection. Shop now to explore our innovative PCs like the XPS 13 laptop, powered by the latest Intel Core processors plus accessories. Visit Dell.com slash gift guide today. That's Dell.com slash gift guide. Thanks for joining us. Welcome into Tuesday, eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Israel ordered a complete siege of the Gaza Strip as it retaliated for the largest and deadliest incursion into its territory in decades. While Hamas threatened to respond to the Israeli bombing campaign by executing civilians, its fighters took hostage in Israel. Israeli warplanes struck hundreds of sites in Gaza, including mosques and a marketplace, while Israeli troops battled to regain control of towns overrun on Saturday by Hamas gunman Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Hamas will understand that by attacking us, they've made a mistake of historic proportions. We will exact a price that will be remembered by them and Israel's other enemies for decades to come. A U.S. aircraft carrier strike force is due to arrive in the eastern Mediterranean today. Number two. Less than a week after he was ousted as House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy says he's open to becoming Speaker again. It's not just electing somebody that's new. It's whether you want to be a conservative who will govern. That's the question the conference has to realize. And for the idea that you allow eight people to continue to do that with no consequences, no one's going to be successful. Steve Scalise, the majority leader, and Jim Jordan, Judiciary Committee Chair, both expressed interest in the position, but neither at this point is a sure choice. Number three. The White House says President Biden has been interviewed by the special counsel probing why classified documents ended up at his home and an office he once used. A sign the investigation is entering its late stages. White House spokesman Ian Sam says the voluntary interview was conducted at the White House over two days, Sunday and Monday, and concluded Monday. Not just one, but two pumpkin-related world records to talk about this morning. A Minnesota horticulture teacher set a world record in California yesterday for the heaviest pumpkin after growing an enormous lumpy orange gourd weighing 2,749 pounds, enough for 687 pies. The more unusual record belongs to a Missouri man who broke a Guinness World Record for longest journey by pumpkin boat. He sailed a 1,208-pound carved-out pumpkin about 38 miles down the Missouri River. After logging the mileage, kneeling inside the vegetable for about 11 hours, he said he was cold and tired but pleased with the results. I just like that phrase, <laughs> kneeling inside the vegetable Doesn't that for sound 11 fun? hours. Oh, man. <laughs> Thank you, Jen. Glad you're with us. An avid runner from Ohio who set a goal of running a 1,000 races is one step closer to that goal after crossing the finish line at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Half Marathon. For 60-year-old Bill Robb, running is more than a sport. It's his life. He set the goal to run a 1,000 races a few years back when he realized he wasn't too far off. Of course, COVID slowed his count. He plans to hit the 1,000 mark later this month on October 29th. 
which would be his 61st birthday. For Mr. Rob, reaching those four digits isn't just a personal achievement. He told News 5 Cleveland it's also a dedication to his dad, who passed in February. He says his father was a big supporter, attending all of his races through school. When he crosses that finish line for the 1,000th time, there's one thing he'll make sure to do, and that's to thank his dad. Then, he tells News 5, he'll just start striving for 1,000 more races. Even in his 60s, he still tackles half marathons and full ones. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka and Dave Duncan, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.